Uh, today, the title of the sermon, Skeptic or Believer. And uh, guys, uh, we had fun with this a little bit the first service, but don't let it distract you from what God's trying to say today. But I'm going to be using the word uh, skepticism and the word um, septic. And, and I do it for a purpose, but when I got to preaching and fired up, I was rambling together to where people were paying more attention to that than what the Lord was trying to say. And so anyway, I say that today, and we got a lot giggling because they know what I'm talking about. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, really hear what the Lord's trying to say today. Because uh, uh, I thought the Lord mentioned, well, use toxic. You know, I thought that was the Lord telling me that. Well, toxic means poison, you're done. Septic means that it makes you sick, it could kill you. But it, but it won't unless you let it. And that's why I wanted to use the word septic today. And so it's their tongue twisters, but bear with me today as we go through this. But I'm reading today, and again, it stems off what we preached about last week. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But Mark chapter 2, 8 through 12. And Mark 2, 8 through 12. Soon there were so many people crowded inside the house uh, to hear him that there was no more room even outside the doors. Uh, that's my prayer for Oakton Central, Oakton Carthage, Oakton Golden City, that the power of God is so strong in our house that people are standing outside. While Jesus was preaching the word of God, uh, three, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. When they realized that they couldn't even get near to him because of the crowd, they went up to the top of the house, tore away the roof above Jesus' head, and when they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of him. Now, I thought about that. How hard would that be to preach when debris is falling down above your head? But I bet Jesus was pumped that people were so excited about him and what God was doing through him that they're breaking in through the roof. When Jesus, this is, I guess, how he responded, verse 5, when Jesus saw the intent of their faith, or extent of the faith, he said to the paralyzed man, my son, you, your sins are now forgiven. This offended some of the religious scholars who were present, and they reasoned among themselves. Who does he think he is to speak this way? This is blasphemy for sure. Only God himself can forgive sins. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said to them, Why are you being so skeptical? Which is easier to say this paralyzed man, to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to stand up and walk? But to convince you that the Son of Man has given, a, given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, stand up, pick up your stretcher, and walk home. Immediately the man sprang to his feet in front of everyone and left for home. When the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God and said, we've never seen anything like this before. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Father, we've never seen anything like your son and you before. And we thank you today for making us whole spiritually and physically. Father, we thank you for taking care of all the, the sickness in our lives and Father, taking all care of all the spiritual 
battles in our lives. Father, we thank you for coming after us. Father, that you save us, that you stay with us. Father, that you're with us forever. And Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise to that. And Father, we know you've taken care of all these things. Let us focus in on you today and draw in closer, Lord, because all that keeps us from receiving from you is our own selves. Father, you have an olive branch uh, right now handed, stretched out towards us. Father, you want to speak to us all the time. Father, let us get out any obstacles in the way and grab that branch and allow you to minister to us today. And Satan, you're under our feet. You're cursed. And we command you to leave. You have no authority in here. This is the house of God. And Lord, again, your Holy Spirit, let it just, just raise up in each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we shared 1 Thessalonians five twenty three and 4. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, soul, body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He'll surely do it. God's love for us, Jesus' love for us, made us whole in body, our flesh, in our mind, in our spirit. And we really hammered that last week. Whole means complete. Blameless means innocent of wrongdoing, above reproach, above sin. Christ made us whole physically and spiritually. Jesus himself bore our sins in the body on the tree that we might die to sin, to live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Bore here means made us whole. Jesus, God, have made us whole spiritually and physically. And the scripture I shared with you today, it is an example of that. That's what the Lord told me. Go back and show the people that from the beginning, Christ has come to make us whole. And I go to first thing in Mark and Jesus delivers the demon possessed. And then I go to here and he does both in a man. He heals him physically and he heals him spiritually. He makes him whole, complete in Christ. We are made whole in him. And when we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we have been made whole. And we need to believe that with all of our heart, soul, and mind. But as I said earlier, what keeps us from believing this and from buying into this is that we get to be skeptical. We begin to doubt what God is doing. And that's what causes the problem. And so skepticism That's what I wanted to talk about today. It will prevent us from being whole, complete in Christ if we buy into it. Skepticism means not easily convinced, having doubts or reservations about something. A skeptical attitude, doubt as to the truth of something. Webster, I believe, was a godly man and he said, Doubt concerning basic religious principles. These are two basic religious principles. Christ has made us whole spiritually and physically. It's all through the word. But skepticism will keep us from receiving and from an inner, uh, uh, inner being involved in this, from, from grabbing a hold of it. 
As Julie's song started out today, God, I didn't think you'd even want me. God, I don't even think you care about me. That's been skeptical about yourself, and it keeps you from receiving what God has for you. Skepticism will cause you to be septic. And again, I told you I didn't want to use toxic because it means poison and you will die most time, most time immediately. But septic, septic means infected with microorganisms, especially harmful bacteria. It makes you sick and you could die if it's not dealt with. So we don't want to become septic, septic because we are skeptical about the things of God. And we see that Jesus encountered this in this passage of Scripture. He offended the, the, the religious scholars, the ones that should have known better. Jesus preaching offended some of them to the point that they reasoned among themselves. They doubted what he was doing. They become skeptics and they began to thwart what he was doing. Jesus said, we can't tolerate that. So Jesus discerned, perceived, and he came against these guys and he challenged them. Why are you being skeptical? And Jesus to me was spoke to me when I read that, that we need to speak out against skepticism in our lives. When we are skeptical about something, we need to come against that because it will keep us from receiving what God has given us. He has made us whole and he has made us spiritually and physically whole. And if we allow skepticism to come in, it can get to the point where it's septic and we become sick from it and we can't allow the Lord to move in our lives. And guys, I've seen people do this all the time. Uh, I've got this going on, so I can't receive from God. This happens, so God don't listen to me anymore. I can't come up and pray up front because I'm not good enough. I can't lead somebody to the Lord because I'm not even a good Christian myself. That's septic talk. Because Christ has made us whole, spiritually and physically. If I was sitting here today, and I don't like playing off this, but we'll talk about this a little bit. But if somebody had the coronavirus sitting by you today, it has the same result. It makes you septic. And if they were sitting by you today, what would you do? We know this coronavirus is going through the United States and immediately... President Trump, when it came through, he immediately stopped flights to China and he said, pray for those over there. Yesterday, he gave a report and he said, you know, we're not going to, we're going to probably close some airports here, the airports here, you know, we're going to stop participating here, but let's pray for those people. We need to be that way when skepticism comes into our life. And when toxic and, and things come into our life, we need to speak against them and, not, and stop them and not let them be in our lives. If it's a person or an individual, I'm not telling you not to still try to win them to Christ, but don't hang around with skeptical people that are making you septic. I appreciated a girl at youth the other night. She came up to me and she said, I asked her why she hadn't been bringing this girl. And, and she said, because she has made me, or she's toxic. She pulls me down. And I appreciated that. She said, expressed that, that, that this girl pulled her down. 
And she realized that, but I told her you can still pray for her and still believe for her soul. But we need to realize that when, when we're around skepticism, it will keep us from receiving from God if we start buying into it ourselves. Let me read you a story. Dave gave you this, and it kind of, re- to me, it, it fits in what we're talking about here. But this wasn't planned. It may take a minute. But I talked to you guys and preached on you on, on, on uh, Pastor Lake's a couple of weeks ago, or Pastor Lake, that was around the 1900s, and how that this guy had uh, done, he's a Methodist guy, and, his, and I told you about his family. He lost some siblings. He had 17 brothers and sisters, and, and he lost seven of them, then his wife, and she was healed, and it thrust him into the ministry. And man, God did great things for you. I told him he went to Africa. And, and anyway, this is one of the stories that Dave brought up to me today. And, and, and we'll see if we're skeptical about this or we believe that Christ makes us whole. Because this will be a good example. So, bear with me. As the team landed on African soil in January of 1910, a plague was raging of proportions over the nation. In less than one month, one quarter of the entire population had died In fact, the plague was so contagious that the government was offering $1,000 to any nurse who would care for the sick. Think about it. $1,000 in 1910, that's a lot of money. So this disease must have been pretty, pretty serious. Lake and his assistants went to help free of charge. He and one of of his assistants would go into the house, bring out the dead, and bury them. But no symptoms of plague ever touched him. At the height of this horrible plague, a doctor sent, Lake and asked, sent for Lake and asked him, What have you been doing to protect yourself? You must have a secret. To this, Lake responded, Brother, it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the Spirit of God will kill it. Are we being skeptical now? Are we believing that Christ made us whole, spiritually and physically? Lake then invited the doctor, and I'm not sure I could do this, to experiment with him. He asked the doctor to take the foam from the lungs of a dead plague victim and put it under a microscope. The doctor did so and found uh, masses of living germs. Then Lake astounded the people in the room as he told the doctor to spread the deadly foam on his hands and announced that the germ would die. The doctor did so and found that the germs died instantly in Lake's hand. Those who witnessed this experiment stood in amazement as Lake continued to give glory to God, explaining, explaining the phenomenon like this. You can fill my hand with them, and I will keep it under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. The same power constantly flowed through Lake's hands into the bodies of the afflicted, bringing healing to the masses. The lightnings of God's blasted all the disease and infirmity. When the Queen of Holland requested Lake to pray for her problems with conception so she could carry a child to full term, He sent the queen word that her prayer had been answered. Less than a year later, the queen, who had miscarried six previous times, gave birth to her first term child, Queen Julia of Holland. 
Are we skeptical or do we believe? And I'm not telling you to go out and put the Lord to the test today. But, but, but on the topic of the coronavirus, man, guys, this nation is running in fear. And I don't think you are. I hope you're not. But, but God is God and God is in control. And as long as we're living for him, it doesn't matter what this world does. He's in control. It doesn't matter what Satan throws at us. He's in control. But if we don't believe that, that's skepticism. In other words, if we don't believe this can happen, then we're being skeptical and we can't receive what God has called us to be. The sad thing about it is skeptics miss out on the joy in the presence of the Lord. Because he was faithful to God, a miracle busted out and there was healings taking place all over the place. Guys, I can tell you straight up that if somebody gets healed, they're not going to go, Oh, bless God. <clears throat> They're going to be running around the room praising God. When the guy got healed in Acts, he went walking and leaping and praising God. The guy today in this story here, you know, I, I thought, man, I feel sorry for him. You know, Jesus healed him and he sprang to his feet and he's wanting to party. Man, he just got healed spiritually and physically. A big transformation come over his life. And these dudes are over there being skeptical. He's like, look at me. And you're being skeptical? Come on. Look at the miracle that just took place in my life. Look at how exciting God is. Man, just think about his four friends. They were probably just freaking out. The Lord healed him. Look at this. They were excited. A move of God was going on. We're missing out when we've been skeptical. We see that Satan uses this against the people of God. From the beginning, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they became skeptics. Did God really say... Did God really say? And they went, get this, man. They were walking hand in hand in the garden in the cool of the day in the presence of God. And they wanted to second guess God and become skeptical. And they gave that up. And number 20, skepticism kept Moses from entering the promised land. Man, Moses had been with them all the way through. And because of being skeptical at a point in time in his life, he didn't get to enter into the promised land on this earth. He did for eternity. But man, he missed out on a joyous, miraculous time in the Lord. I think about Lot's family. Because of skepticism, skepticism the family missed out on eternal joy, all but three. Because they became skeptical of the things of God. Then think about Pharaoh and Egypt. That, 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 you know, 10 times Moses come to him or more. And he tried to present him the word of God. And he was skeptical to the point that it destroyed his nation. That it destroyed his firstborn. That it destroyed his life. Because he couldn't just accept the power and the glory of God. That God makes us whole. That Jesus, his son, died to make us whole. Spiritually and physically. But Israel battled with skepticism their whole, the whole time through the Old Testament. First Kings that talks about Elijah. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? 
It's keeping you from receiving the totality of God. In Matthew 17, we see it that the disciples couldn't cast out demons because they became skeptical. And they went to Jesus and he said, you have little faith. Just think out of the joy that they missed out of, the excitement that they missed out on. That this person, man, they received the power of God upon their lives and they, and, and, and they didn't get to experience that. The other day I got a call late at night about somebody in the body of Christ that had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And, and they were so excited they told me about it. But I thought, man, I wish I was that person that got to pray with them. That's exciting to me. Man, I, I was envious of the person that prayed with them. Could see the miracle and the power of God. Have you ever led somebody to Christ? The excitement and the joy that comes from it. Skepticism kept Jesus from performing miracles in Nazareth, in his hometown, because, oh, that's, that's just Joseph's son. Oh, he can't heal us. What about us? Oh, this is the coronavirus. We don't have a vaccine. If we had a vaccine, I could have faith. We don't need a vaccine to have faith. We got Jesus who makes us whole, who makes us complete. Don't let skepticism keep you from receiving from the Lord. I believe several people leave churches every week across this world without experiencing the things of God because they were skeptical. You know, I, I get tired of people saying, well, if you could preach better, if the praise team was better, if, if you do this or do that, I could receive from God. And I want to say, if you weren't skeptical, you could receive from God because Jesus died on the cross. Jesus raised from the dead and Jesus made us whole completely spiritually and physically. When I was today in the showers, I was thinking about it, that old song, if you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, I used to get irritated with that song, but it made me laugh. It made me get excited about the things of God. We can worship God anywhere. Anywhere. Just don't be a skeptic. In James 1 6, James, the half brother of Jesus, he said these words, but let him ask in faith with no doubting skepticism. Skepticism. For the one who doubts is a skeptic. They're like a wave on the sea that's tossed and driven. You're back and forth, kind of like Israel. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? That's what that's what it'll do when we're skeptical. We need to have intentional faith. When we have an intentional faith, like these guys, these four men did, they came to Jesus because they believed that he could make them whole. And that's when Jesus saw their faith, and that's when the miracle started happening. The man was made whole completely, spiritually and physically. We need to be intentional with our faith. We do not doubt. We are not anxious, Philippians 4, 6 says, about anything. We don't fear anything. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control or sound mind. So we don't, we're not anxious or we're not fearful about anything. We're not skeptical about the things of God. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The reason I share these things with you today, guys, that, that Jesus wants to do miracles in our lives. Jesus wants to do things in our lives that, that are just unbelievable, like Lake did, like, like we see in all of our own lives, that God wants to move dramatically. But we got to be a people of prayer. Prayer is asking God and, and saying, God, touch my situation. Slide 13, Jonah prayed and God was saved. Or people were saved. <laughs> Jonah prayed and God saved people. Moses prayed and the Red Sea was parted. Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will. These people prayed and the things of God happened in their lives. Just think whenever Peter prayed for that vision and God gave him that vision, the excitement and the joy that was there because when we pray, miracles happen. When Peter and John prayed for that lame man, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, arise and be healed. And the man went walking and leaping and praising God. The excitement that comes from the prayers and how Jesus moves upon them. Paul, the prayer of the people he healed, the joy and excitement. But we see three keys in this scripture in Philippians to prayer. And I put it up on the board, be saturated in prayer throughout each week. Offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Saturated. In other words, take a sponge and you put it in the water and it saturates all the water out. We need to be saturated in prayer throughout the day. It didn't say throughout the year. It's meaning all the time. Saturated in prayer. Talking to our Father. Offering our faith-filled request. And then overflowing with gratitude because again, the miracles that will break out from answered prayer. The Lord told me to give you an example of how to pray. And I just thought, well, I get a lot of times I'm out of work and I need work. And the Bible says to saturate yourself in prayer. You need work, then saturate yourself in prayer and God will give you work. I'll never forget when I quit here, it just hit me now, but I quit Freeman to come here. I needed work to offset the cost. And, and I was doing a landscape business. God gave me more work than I knew what to do with. But I prayed and asked, and then he performed a miracle. And I can tell you miracle after miracle. Uh, we bought a house for, for 5000 and turned it for $67,000. Think about that. And the Lord blessed me that year. And, and the Lord, you know, we had 30000 in it, but a huge, huge profit. But the Lord blessed me. Lord, I need work. You've called me into the ministry. I need to be able to support my family. And so we pray for work. And the next thing we need to do is, is line up with the word. And I thought, well, I Googled word, work. And the first scripture came to the top was anyone who does not want to work for a living should go hungry. Hmm. God wants us to work. It's pretty obvious here. Then it goes on to say, now we hear rumors that some of you are being lazy and neglecting to work. That these people are, too, not, are not busy, but busy bodies. So with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we order them to go back to work in an orderly fashion and exhort them to earn their own living. 
So it's obvious the Bible wants us to work. It's in the Word of God. And we want a job. That lines up with the Word of God. So we can stand on this in our prayer. Father God, your word says that we need to work and we're exhorted in our work and the hands that we, or our hands as we work, Lord. And I ask you that you bless me with a job. And so we add this scripture into the prayer and then we go to Sabbath and, and we stand up here with prayer of agreement on Sunday mornings. Or we may go to somebody in the back with a prayer of agreement or you may come to the pastor. I'd even challenge you to go to your life groups. In your life groups, we should be praying for things like this. A life group is bringing life to your group. So if somebody needs a job, lay hands on them and agree with them until they get the job. That's how we pray. And when we pray, we'll experience the move of the Lord. And guys, you can keep hearing this every week. This is basic one-on-one stuff. But the Word of God, and the Lord really burned this on me at Golden City this week. But word, we need to not only read it, we need to live it out. Live the word. And, and we see in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 that in this passage of scripture, we use this all the time. And a lot of you are probably starting to slobber at the bit now. You're like, oh, I love this scripture. Let us have it, pastor. These are the things going to happen in the end times. Give it to us. You know, people need to hear this. But at the end of the chapter, Paul gives Timothy a, follow, a standard to follow. I don't like to use the word formula because we all think we got to have a formula to get saved, a formula to be delivered, a formula to be set free when Christ just makes us whole. Christ just does it if we would give it to him and not be skeptics. But in this passage of scripture, I want you to just read this because it'll talk about everything in your life and then Paul's going to tell you how to deal with it. It says in the last days, people will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. That affects all of us. That affects me. That affects the church tithes. That affects everything. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and balk all that is right. Doesn't that bother you guys too? They will ignore their families. We don't want to hear that though, do we? How many of you feel like you're being ignored? They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves of their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their own conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from these people. They're septic. And they cause you to be skeptical. And Paul goes on to tell Timothy three things in 3, 15 through 17. Remember what you were taught from your childhood from the Holy Bible scrolls, which can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. That Bible is going to give you every answer to every problem that was just read off. And if it's not in there, the word of God will have a solution for you. Two, every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its, un, its instruction and correction. 
So the Word of God will give you instruction. It's going to give you correction. Giving you the strength, it's going to give you strength to take the right direction and lead you to, into deeper paths of godliness. That's all God wants. He wants us godlier. He wants to know us more. That's what we want. We'll be satisfied when we start doing that. But the Word of God gives us instruction, correction, strength, the right direction, and deeper relationship with Jesus. How many want that? I do. Well, read your Bible. And then pray. And then number three, then you will be God's servant, fully mature, and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Maybe it is to go over to Africa and put yourself in a place and people think you're crazy so that you can heal the land. Not, not through your name, but through Jesus' name. So the word's important. And last, the Sabbath's important. The more you go to church, the more fired up for God you'll be. And guys, I'm pretty fired up right now, believe me. Uh, This is the fourth time I preached in five days. Skeptic said that a lot of times, and I'm skeptical myself, it's hard to prepare four sermons in one week. It's very difficult. Guys, it's been easy. God, is this sermon is built to the point that I'm going to stop here in a second and I'm not even halfway through it because God just keeps building this. I just can't write it down fast enough. And that's the joy and excitement that when we step out in faith and aren't skeptical, God's going to move on us. But this is the fifth time in five days that I've preached And the neat thing about it is, is when you pray and put yourself in the presence of God, miracles are going to happen. Things are going to happen. What he's saying in his book here, if you stay under the guidance and the rules and the laws of God, God will look out for you. God will protect you. You're under his covering. Things are going to happen. Miracles are going to happen. Well, it kicked off Wednesday night, the first time I preached. Man, I was blessed out of this world. Man, I'd been praying for something for months, and it came to life, and it blessed me. I was on cloud nine. I was doing the jig when I got home Thursday night. Man, I was so blessed Thursday night. Uh, Three times, I could tell you three miracles Thursday night that, that people and what God had done in their life just turned me upside down. And then the next morning to read, to see the Facebook of people talking about it. And people saying, oh, that happened over there? What, what night is that? Uh, when is that? Oh, man, I was, just, uh, I was just, just on fire for the Lord. And I say, as I was saying, preparing these sermons, I've experienced the presence of God. And what's so neat about it is, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the Word, a lot of time in prayer, and a lot of time doing the things of God. But what happens? But miracles. And yesterday, Karen and I go to Joplin, and, and that's what never ceases to fail. What you put in comes out. I went by and visited her sister. We visited John and Sandy Short. And everything that I study, I end up talking about. And the Lord just moves in it. And it just excites me and builds me up even more. And then the first service this morning, I had nothing down there because, again, I hadn't preached yet. But the Lord moved. And, guys, I'll be honest with you, it's happening in this service too. But lately, 90% of the time, people come to the altars they're, they're women. 
And it, that was never, it's not always been that way. It's usually mixed up and I never noticed it. But lately, I've really been noticing it. And so we've been praying about that. And this morning, everyone, six plus that I know that went to the altar today was men. Oh, made my day. Made my day because men, we need to lead. And I'm not saying women don't go to the altar. I'm not saying that. And yeah, men, I'm guilting you to go to the altar today. (laughs) Because God will touch you. But when we put ourselves in the presence of God in the word and prayer and fellowship with him, we're going to experience miracles. And I'm believing that this service, we're going to experience the miraculous. Why? Because in the same passage of scripture in Mark 2, you drop down to 27. And it's going to say the Sabbath was made for the sake of the people and not people for the Sabbath. And we need to get a hold of that. That's why church is so important. That's why this, this is so important that we come out here today. I'm speaking to the choir, you're here. But it's important because it builds us up in the things of God and we experience the presence of God. Now, if you're being a skeptic today, yeah, you can experience God at home. I'm not saying that. Yeah, you can experience God with your family and Bible study. Yeah, I did with my mom and dad. But these three ingredients is exactly what they did in Mark chapter 2. These men went to the house of God. It says that in verse 2. They took their friend to the house of God because he needed a touch on his life. They knew the house of God was important. They went where the word was preached. Jesus was preaching the word, verse 2. They prayed. They shouted praises to God, verse 12. The key is, is what we started off with in verse 4. All, they did all three of the things I just told you guys about. That Those three things were so important to them that when they couldn't get inside, they tore a hole through the roof to get inside. Are you guys tearing holes through the roof? to attend the services on Sunday because you want a touch from God? Are you tearing holes through your neighbor's doors to tell them about Jesus and how important Jesus is and how they're missing out when they're not in the church on Sunday? You see where I'm heading today? That these ingredients, when put together, change lives. I had a booklet that, that I found, or Jim actually found, or actually I think Jane found it, and we were cleaning up at Golden City, and Jim showed it to me the other day, but it was highlights from a district report in 1964, 55 years ago. This is a district report, and Thursday night at Golden City, I read the report on what Golden City was doing in, in 1960, or you know, what the church, they're supposed to write, what was going on in their body. And today I was going to read to you what was going on in Oakton because in that district, Oakton, Lamar, there's like 20 churches and Lamar and Oakton had a spot in there. And I know one of them was we built the parsonage. Uh, Walter's name was on there and some of your names in this room was on there, but they had a report and I can't remember it all, but I was going to read it to you. But I left it over at Golden City. So I'm going to read you Golden Cities because it'll mean it makes the same point. But Golden City was established in the late 1870s to very early 1880s, and it was at a different location than where it is now. In 1921, they built on the site that the church is located on right now. 
1954, that church burnt. And they immediately started meeting in the school while they built a new church that was completed in 54, 55. They didn't really clear that up. This existing church was so beautiful that Jim showed me another letter he had found of a local business that had went through and saw how beautiful this building was in the city and how he was so proud to have this wonderful church of God in the city that he donated $25 to the building fund that didn't even attend there. This report went on to say, and get this guys, 1964, I wasn't even born yet. Sunday school attendance was 171. If you've been in that church over there, there's two small classrooms at front, 10 by 10 maybe. There's three medium size up top, 10 by 12, 10 by 15 maybe, 16. There's a middle classroom that's pretty good size, that's overflow really. And then you got the sanctuary and then you got the basement. So you're looking at seven or eight rooms which means they did what we did here at Oakton when I was a kid in the old church. They had curtains. So Paul would teach a class here, curtain. Kent would teach a class here, curtain. Debbie would teach a class here, curtain. Mom would teach a class there. All that was separating you was a curtain. They had 12 classes and 171 people in Sunday school. That's more than we have in our Sunday school today. And what gets me the skeptics, well, we couldn't have Sunday school with a curtain dividing us. Yeah, I got a spanking a lot of times. You can, <laughs> believe me. I got warmed up lots of times. You can have Sunday school wherever you want to have it. Amen. Or we can be skeptics and say we can't have it without a new building. But where there's prayer, where there's word, and where there's presence, you're going to have miracles and a move of God. They went on to say that there were 60 in their VBS that year. I can remember going over there as a youth, 12 to 15. I don't remember, but the church was so full. Mom and dad were inside and the youth had to meet outside. There wasn't even room inside for us, but we played and had a time. And I'll never forget that day. We were just playing outside west of the church. But what really intrigued me about the writer of the article, this is what they closed with. We believe our church has been blessed with many willing workers inspired by God. That's the ticket. Look where they regressed to in so many years. They closed their doors two years ago. Did the the willing workers inspired by God quit? What happened? Did skepticism come in? I don't know. It makes pretty obvious to me what happened. But I tell you today that Oakton, we're not going to be that way. We're going to be willing workers inspired by God. Amen? Amen. We're going to be willing workers inspired by God because we know, as we sang today, He's all that matters. I believe we have many willing people inspired by God at Oakton Central, Oakton Carthage, and Oakton Golden City that will infect and just attack this area for the kingdom of God. And we're going to just grow into this wonderful, magnificent kingdom of God. 
I got one amen. Thank you, brother. Are we being skeptical now or do we believe it? Praise team, come forward. I've shared you a lot of examples today. Are you prepared to be established, to be intentional about prayer, living out the word, and to be committed to the Sabbath? Because I promise you guys, signs and wonders will follow you. Let's make that commitment today. We need to come against all spirits of skepticism in our lives. Just come against it. There's people in here today that maybe believe that you can't be saved because you're too bad. That's not from Jesus. Jesus has made you whole. The Lord told me that there's people that, that are wanting healing in this room today. And there's such, there, there's a set skeptics that they can't receive. When you just need to simply have faith in the Lord, read the word, seek the word, and just keep praying and putting yourself in the presence until God does his thing. He's already, no, until you, that's where our tongue gets tied right there, guys. God's already done it. We just need to remember what we were taught from childhood, from the Holy Scrolls, which can impact to you wisdom to experience the everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. You can't argue with that. That's God's word. Two, we just need to know that every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction, correct you, giving you strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper in the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God's called you to do. God's called us to be a lighthouse in this area.